0: Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead.
1: Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Get to Vet podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell, and with me, as always, is the lovely Mike Riggs. Hey, and uh, we have a, a great guest today. We're we're talking to a guy that Mike and I have known for a while. Um, awesome dude. Everybody that I know that knows him, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. which I don't know if anybody can do that for me. Um, <laughs> so, or, or me. Or, yeah, I was going to say or Mike, but I wanted him to say it for himself. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, great guest today, uh, Chad Monroe. And so, Chad, I'll turn it over to you and kind of give us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now.
2: Well, let's see. We'll start before I joined the Navy. I was in uh, martial art called... Taekwondo in the 80s and 90s. I tried out for the Olympics, didn't quite make it and had a family to sport. So I was like, ah, oh, wait, there's this thing in the Navy. They're going to pay me to do cool stuff. Okay. Let me go do that. But I started out doing, uh, intelligence specialist work. Um, did the first, my first deployment was on the Theodore Roosevelt as an IS. and I was stuck in a skiff. We did 158 days without a port. And then, uh, During that time, it's when I met the EOD team on board. And I said, I think I want to do what you guys do. And so they helped me out. Kenny Sutliff and uh, Jason Junkers and uh, some of the other guys.
0: Was that right after 9-11? Yeah, it was. Okay, so I was on the Enterprise when that happened. So you guys came over and relieved us. We started heading home and Mm -hmm. got turned around and stayed out there with you guys. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Small world.
2: Yeah, it is. So I got... See, we pulled back into port two months later, I was at dive school? The dive school EOD, thing, EOD school thing, retired at it, or not retired, at graduated at EOD school, um, 2003, went through TAC training and all that in San Diego and checked in. It was fall time of 03 up at Mobina 11. And they're like, oh, you're going to Iraq in January, so you gotta go back down to San Diego for team training, so. Did that, went and deployed for seven months in Iraq in 04. Got blown up pretty bad once there. Uh, Back before we had armor, no doors on our Humvee. Turned around, came back, deployed uh, again the next year to Iraq, this time to Ramadi area. Got hit four more times with IEDs. And then uh, my buddy was over at Naval Special Warfare Development Group. He said, hey, I, I got a place you might want to come if you want some payback. So I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So 06, I screened and got picked up for selection, went through selection, 06, 07, and then uh, started deploying in 07. Spent, let's see, 07 to the end of 2015, December, 2015 there. And then uh, went to the EOB training unit, uh, 2-1 in San Diego. Cause I hadn't had any, uh, shore duty. Sounds family. familiar.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, me too. Got,
2: got some, uh, shore duty finally and hung out. And then, uh, 18 months before my 20 year mark decided to retire and drop my, my package and the CEO and XO and CMC are like, all right, well, you're no longer doing your old job. You have a desk. Now your new job is to take care of your VA and your retirement. So. Oh, nice. That was very nice of them. Uh, I was very blessed. That they, they were able to do that for me.
0: Yeah, I know. I had I still had to do, like, one more deployment. I call it a deployment with quotation marks because I had deployed to Destin. And, oh. Uh, so. the, old Des- <laughs>
1: the old Descanistan deployment. It's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. Sharks. But, you, you sure. know, a lot of people, you know, when you guys go – I never did a training unit tour, but when you go to the training units, I mean – it's still a kick in the pants, man. Cause you guys, I know we're going, you know, nonstop, especially during the surge years. And when we had guys deploying a lot, it was running drills, nonstop, especially during FTX weeks and things like that. You guys are out there a lot, you know, to where when I was down at the schoolhouse recruiting guys it's like, Hey man, you guys want to go get your heads kicked in at the training unit. You're welcome down here and, you know, do a couple, couple of classes a day and, you know, my, on my plaque, of course, it says Range Road gets pretty busy around 1400, which you know means that most of my instructors were heading down the road. And then when Danny Parsons would complain to me about Manning, I'd go, "Hey, Danny, let's go look at the parking lot, you know." And uh, you know, and I'd say, "You know what, Danny? We don't have a Manning problem until this parking lot's full at 1600." So uh, he he never came back to me much after that about Manning. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's not much downtime training as you guys can attest. I mean, it's you're still back in the churn and uh there's really especially no mental break i think like you do i think if you were to go to like a shore debt especially out and away from norfolk or san diego where you're not staying in the churn
2: you know i mean believe it or not it was a lot slower than i had been used to in my previous i can see that (laughs) yes um so they put me in uh nuclear hazards division to begin with as the LCPO did that for a little while. And then uh, they needed someone to run the FTX because they were bringing the CRIF back to the West coast. So I set up that whole curriculum. And then I also started working with uh, a lot of the NSW teams trying to tailor it to more realistic training, not just iteration training, actually putting them in a battlefield environment and letting them feel as close as we could, what it's going to be like when they go overseas and and uh, I think that helped a lot. And then right before I left, I took over as the uh, training SCA um, for, for a little while. And that was interesting. I didn't know what I was doing. Just go around and talk to all the LCPOs and see what they need. Go see what the XO and CMC need every day and just put out fires every day.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah, I, I think for me, you know, I was in nukes on the East Coast. And I think that's where you and I first met uh doing some some drills over there and i yeah it, it was like that especially in nukes division there it seemed like we were always the last ones to leave and at the end of the day it's like five or six o'clock and now the parking lot's empty but it, that was a remark that i had made to the ceo when i left there i was like hey this is the only place i've been in the navy where people go back to sea duty to take a break um <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it, it was busy i i i loved it though i was very like excited about what i was doing and and getting to you know really do some good good work there and and then we had uh jody jody yeah. carpenter was what? our training master chief and she yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> he hates that by the way oh does he i'll have to next
0: time i talk to him i'll have to to say that <laughs> But, uh, so what are you doing nowadays?
2: I work for Homeland Security, uh, countering weapons and mass destruction division. I'm a, uh, got sworn in as a fed. It's cool to be serving again. It's a different capacity, uh, way different than being in the military, but it's still uh, still fulfilling. And that's what, what I think is important. You know, I, I got out, started working at SWERI just to have a job, Southwest Research Institute doing project management. And yeah, that was cool and all. And I learned a lot and I still had touch points to the military because a couple of projects I was working on was with SOCOM and just seeing some of the people I knew or some people that knew people that I knew was neat, but it, it wasn't quite the same working with scientists and engineers.
0: I would imagine that that was kind of a culture shock, especially, you know, spending a lot of the time where you were for a lot of your career Although I know, you know, even as EOD techs, like uh, we would go out and, you know, I spent tons of time out at at some of the national labs. And so I kind of knew a little bit about what it was like. So how big of that was a, how much of that was a big culture shock to you?
2: The biggest culture shock to me, um, if you go into that already having a technical background, I think it's an easier transition going there not having a technical background just being what i called kind of a nerd herder um, and a project manager it, it's interesting um, learning their culture is, is a big thing and then uh, also accounting for your time the way that they they structure everything yeah you're on salary but you may work on two or three different projects throughout the day, so you got to account for every single bit of time that you, of what you do throughout your day, which I, I, that was something new. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that would be happening when I took the job until I got there.
0: Yeah. I, I know that's a big shock because, you know, I'd have days where we go work 12, 14, 16 hours and nobody thought anything of it and that way it was no big deal the next day when you were only in there for two or three hours like there was there was none of that um i think the only time we actually had to do that when i was on the enterprise when we were in the shipyard we had to do our hours Mm. (laughs) i was like this is dumb
2: (laughs) well the good thing is i did some traveling while i was there and it's the second you leave your home you start getting paid yeah, so you, you can get overtime, and it can be it can be very profitable depending on what you're doing.
0: Yeah, one of these days, I'm to start paying myself
1: overtime. There you go. Especially <laughs> out in San Diego, in that traffic, you can earn a lot of money in that traffic.
2: <laughs> I'm living in San Antonio right now. The traffic here is worse. Believe oh, it. Oh, really? really? Huh. People either drive way too slow or way too fast, and of course, they don't like turn signals and like to make decisions at the last moment. So you have to drive. Ready for anything at every time. You, every time you you go out,
0: are the drivers at least better than they are in Virginia?
2: Uh, Virginia drivers are just slower. <laughs> I mean, mainly because uh, the cops are, are more enforceful there, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm. I can attest to that personally. <laughs> it seems like every time we go out, 58, um, I always get pulled over for, right. but. <laughs>
1: And it's not to thank you for your service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's,
0: i tell you what a part of it is, is I never got my Purple Heart license plate, which that was the first thing I always said after I got tagged. I was like, yes, free license plates for life. And uh, I never did it. And so that's probably why I get so many speeding tickets now. <laughs> uh,
2: that's some, that's some good benefits though. What's Whatever state you're in. Um, yeah. Just lucky enough. I was, I was blessed to get, I mean, not blessed to get it, but got a hundred percent disability. You don't pay property tax here in, in Texas, which is awesome.
0: Yep. And it's like that in Virginia too. And is it yeah, the, the last uh, on your primary residence, and then they just passed an amendment to the constitution of Virginia uh, during this last voting cycle to where if you're hundred percent permanent in total, uh, you don't have to pay personal property taxes on your vehicles either.
2: Oh, that's a big thing right there. Yeah,
0: so I obviously voted yes for that.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, that's a that's a slap in the face too when you're that uh, you, you don't expect when you buy a new car in Virginia and all of a sudden you know like my Tundra I bought it like uh, six years ago I think maybe it's now seven years ago now so I bought this the Tundra the top of the line Tundra you know truck I wanted and you pay. I think that thing was like the sticker was close to 50, you know, and of course you pay sales tax on it and everything and you, and you bring it home and then the the state of Virginia or no, it's actually the, the county city, whatever, sends you the personal property tax on it. And it's not cheap and it's based on the value. And it was like $1,700 on that truck for that year. And thankfully, you know, you're, I wasn't a resident of Virginia. I was a resident of West Virginia. So I can just send in my LES and get, you know, get exempt from it. But man, that's coming. You know, if, if you're not hundred percent disabled and folks need to take that into account as part of their budget and their retirement plan, if they have, you know, if they're rocking the new Escalade, stand by to pay, you know, 1500 to $2,000 every year and donating that back to the city or the county that they live in in Virginia or whatever state they may be in.
2: Well, even your paycheck you're going to have a lot more taken out than you realize. I mean, I don't even pay state taxes and every time I see the amount of gross and the amount net, it's way different than the military. Cause we don't, you know, all those special pays and the BAH and all that stuff that wasn't taxed before is now. And yeah, that's, that's a,
0: a big one. I think a lot of vets are kind of surprised when they get hit with those tax bills are <laughs> like, what? And, uh, You know, so that's, that's just something that I talk a lot about with people is like, Hey, get, get ready. Your tax situation is going to change significantly. And of course now I don't, you know, I'm not going to speculate, but I would imagine, you know, the tax situation we're in right now is probably the best it's going to get, uh, in the next couple of decades. I don't see them going down from where they're at right now. Um, you know, hopefully maybe some, some legislation might come down the road that eases the tax on military pensions, but uh the VA disability that you were talking about, I think that that's a huge one that a lot of people miss out on is from an opportunity standpoint. Cause they, you, you know, they get like, what we say the last time the imposter syndrome, right? Oh, I don't want to claim this stuff. I don't, you know, I think that's messed up that I should claim that. And, <laughs> you know, part of the problem is, and Chad, I'm sure you can speak, uh, to this as well as anyone like, Hey, you might be okay today, but you don't know what you're going to feel like tomorrow or the day after that, or two years from now.
2: You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I thought it was fine for years and I was living in denial. I had been hit by five roadsides when I was at mobile 11, when I was at Dan I got hit by a suicide bomber, was in a bad Humvee rollover, I had grenades go off right next to me. Um, I was blessed enough that, to not catch much frag, and mm-hmm. uh, still have all my fingers and toes and all that. So I'm like, no, I'm fine. Well, it took, you know, the, the psych for years would come up to me and say, hey, you need to go to Niko. I was like, oh yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then it took my uh, after we got hit by the suicide bomber, my team leader was right next to me. He had gone to NICO and he came back and he cornered me and he says, hey, you out of everyone here at this guy need to go. I was like, okay. So I ended up going in 2015, found out because you know of all the the times getting hit that um, I my sleep, I thought I slept fine because I didn't snore. Well, no, I stopped breathing 26 times an hour and they ran in and threw a CPAP on me right away. Um, was lucky enough to get it adjusted that night and then two days later you know the CPAP guy comes to NICO, the Fisher house and hooks you up and then they start doing all the other things they found a dead spot in the right frontal lobe and then they had to do a PET scan and found out that all oh, other parts of your brain are compens- compensating is what he says.
1: <laughs> I mean uh, that sounds real familiar for me because I went to Intrepid Spirit in 2018 and I also had sleep issues and I was talking with one of the guys used to work with Dave and he had been through Nyco. and he was talking about the cycle that he was on for a while, you know, get up in the morning, you're dragging ass, you drink coffee all day long up until probably the time you leave work. And then you, you get home and you got to have a few cocktails to wind yourself down to calm your mind down enough to go to bed. And you get four hours of shitty sleep again and you rinse and repeat. And I was like, he was talking to me about it in my office at mobile unit six when I was a CMC there. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that sounds like you just wrote my biography because I live that every day I was doing that. And until I finally pressed the issue and another guy got me into a trepid spirit, similar to what happened with you, the guy got me, the guy that was there at a trepid spirit at the time, got me an appointment and, or I probably wouldn't have ended up going myself but going there and getting my sleep under control and being able to sleep if i get a solid 6 now that's a huge win i mean i don't i don't wake up the whole time you know but having that cpap i mean i use that thing like it's a regulator and i'm going diving on, under the ship you know i you oh, know man. i leave the surface and i and i don't come you know until it's time to reach surface i don't take that sucker off but uh, it i think it's so critical that people understand that they get these things taken care of especially before they get out and have those studies done because sleep has such an effect on your overall health and your function and your mood and so many other things get tied into that part of your your health and your well-being and
2: then also you know us going overseas and having that adrenaline all the time adrenal fatigue syndrome has a lot to do with uh, a lot of us have uh, hormonal imbalances. I've been on testosterone replacement since I was in the Navy for shoot. They, they got me on there right about the same time I was at NICO, maybe a little before, um, they actually were all scared for a little bit, pulled you off, pulled me off for a year, year and a half through the Navy, went into a depression. They got me back on, felt better. Now that I'm out, I go through, uh, it's a nonprofit called warrior health and it's, uh, for special operations folks like us and they are way better than anything I was doing in the Navy. Um, they got me dialed in. I feel much better. Um, yeah, you gotta take a couple shots a week, whatever. It, it's well worth it. Uh, warrior health foundation has helped a lot. Um, Yeah. And I know that
0: that's something that like, I I was the same way. I, they told me like I had low testosterone when I was retiring and um, you know, it's something that I had talked to my doctor. I need to follow up more on it. So I'll probably talk to you offline about that. But uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, NICO and Intrepid Spirit, they're basically programs that are put on, uh, what is it? Bethesda is where NICO is at. At Bethesda Naval Hospital, Intrepid Spirit is like their sister lab. Um, the one that Mike and I went to was down at Camp Lejeune, but it's essentially like a. The intent of the program is to get people who have, you know, been in those high op tempo kind of roles for a while, or maybe have been injured in some form or fashion in combat, and get them well again, um, to either you know, a send them back out to continue the fight, or you know for guys like us <laughs> they are like hey you're you've put in a lot of good years we got a lot of good mileage out of you now we need to make sure that you get taken care of by you know having you evaluated and, and getting all this stuff documented in your medical records so so we can start treatment and i know the initial one is 5 weeks and then there's a lot of follow up with that too
2: you'll never have time to do it when you're out so good yeah
0: <laughs> and that's a that's a that's another great point that you brought up um yeah, yeah. and i tell us the people all the time like hey look you've got one chance to get out the right way stop uh you know there's got to be a point where you draw a line in the sand and that's awesome that the command uh lets you do that and they said hey you know you take care of you now because you know the day after you retire you know like when i walked out of mobian at six you know, April thirtieth, twenty eighteen. The next day, nobody was like, "Holy shit! What are we going to do with how Trevor here?" Right? <laughs> it was. Um, it, it's just something that you're going to have to come to terms with. Like they will move on from you, and and you need to make sure that you take care of yourself and don't say, "Well, I'll just do this stuff later." It's 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 tough for us to do because we've had that like team mentality put into us for so long, and it's it's really awkward. Uh, for us to say, no, I'm, I'm going to focus on me now.
2: It's it's a cultural thing. I mean, you go through dive school and you twist your ankle. You go tape it up yourself and don't tell anyone because you don't want to get rolled back or anything and you you suck it up and you go through. Is it, is it, an, it you know, are you hurt or are you injured? Those are the two big things. Uh, okay. If I'm hurt, I'm going to keep going. If I'm injured, well, sometimes I'll, I'll pretend that I'm just hurt, but I really have an injury. And you know, when you get to the end of your career, that's not the time to to blow off injuries. Absolutely.
0: So, could you maybe um, talk a little bit about uh, your experience here at NICO, like all the the testing that you went through, and and what they
2: what came as a result of that? So, I did NICO and Intrepid Spirit both. So, I started out. Um, at NICO uh, got up there. Their big thing for me was because I had gone through at that time eight combat deployments, and I really hadn't had much of a break. And I was going through a divorce at the same time. And I had just got back a month prior to going to NICO from a pretty pretty rough combat deployment where uh, I was sure I was going to die, and somehow made it out. And uh, my cortisol level normally the range is like three to 17 nanograms per whatever i was at 35 i i got the record you won (laughs) so it was a lot of uh mindfulness a lot of yoga along with my all the of course they do all the appointments your sleep studies they draw all your blood um, they thought that there was maybe a tumor somewhere on, somewhere in my brain that was causing the, the cortisol. So there was other testing that they did. They just found out that I was just, you know, years and years of, uh, adrenal fatigue and combat deployments. And, you know, you're, you you, get to a point where you're doing it for your teammates more than anything else. Right. You know, that there's a time to, Hey, I probably should stop doing this or slow down, but you don't want to let your team down so you are continually going out even though you're worn down and your mind's not maybe where it should be so and, that's and that was a wake up call
0: yeah that's something for me too It was kind of like that like i got to stop making myself like hurting myself just to, just to prove that I, that I can still hang and so you were talking about mindfulness which is uh, awesome because mike and i just did a uh Interview with John mccaskill Are you familiar with what he's doing? With Veterans name. Path. So yeah, I'll definitely make an intro. Uh, but awesome program, and and um, I did it. He has a nonprofit called Veterans Path, and they have this uh, mindfulness practice that you know there's like an app and a little book and all that stuff that you can go through, and that's been big for me because I didn't go the traditional route of going out and getting a job somewhere. I said, Hey, I'm going to go out and build my own, you know, line of business. And right now I've got four of them counting this podcast. And (laughs) so, yeah, the, you know, your brain can get turned around really quick and then throw on top of that. I'm a school mom in the mornings uh, at least till the kids go back to school. And yeah, it's, it's really tough. Like you can lose yourself and you just get to the point where you're like, I, I have so much to do. I don't know where to focus. So I'm just not going to get anything done.
2: All of us after, you know, 20, 30 years, however long you've been in, we all have issues and it's keeping up and hitting those issues from various different treatments and, and help. Um, keeping in contact with other brothers, I think is, is very important. Uh, down here in San Antonio, you know, we're kind of distanced, but I, I, it, it always brings warmth to my heart when someone gives me a call or a text and it's like, hey, how you doing? some of the other brothers so that's that's always good
0: yeah absolutely agree what about um from the from the testing standpoint though um you were telling me about some other treatments that you did that i thought that, that i didn't know anything about but maybe you could shed some light on so other people so might...
2: i got this here i do this almost every day this is the office stim? i don't know if you yep. guys have this yeah go right to... on my bed did not get this at Nico. I got an intrepid spirit.
1: Yep, me too. Um,
2: I'd gone up there, and after you leave combat and you have time to settle down, that's when all the demons start coming out. Right? <laughs> uh, crazy dreams, vivid dreams that you, while you're overseas and you're in the midst of combat every day, you don't have them. But when you slow down, you're, something happens and it triggered bad dreams a lot of anxiety stuff like that. And uh, they wanted to put me on meds. And I, I said, no, I don't want, I want to stay away from all those meds. I heard they have bad side effects. They said, well, keep it in mind in case you need it, but let's get you this alpha stem. So the alpha stem kind of helped. And then uh, I started pain management at Balboa Naval Hospital and had uh, stellate gaggling blocks, three of them. The first one worked. It was crazy. So if, if for those who don't know, uh, stellate ganglion block. When you go overseas, your uh, central nervous system gets jacked up. You come home, it comes back down, but it's higher than the level it was. Well, after eight combat deployments and living that in adrenaline, that time, your body physically can't settle down. So they stick a, a, a needle. It's uh, ultrasound guided in through your neck to your spine, to the stellate ganglion nerve block a- area, and they inject this numbing type agent that helps settle your nervous system down. It's like a hard boot reset for your computer.
0: Yeah. You've read uh, Jimmy Hatch's book. Haven't you touching oh, the dragon? Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think he talks a little bit about that too. Like, yeah, you spent all these years with this super and, and it's not just, you know, the, the chemical reaction too, but you know, all these years you've had this very intense sense of purpose. And, and when that goes away, I know there's there's kind of like some some mental health effects that that come along with that
2: for sure. I know I think my wife is... drove me home the first after my first even block, and there was music on, and I started feeling this weird feeling, and like I had goosebumps and I could feel emotion again <laughs> for the yeah. first time in like twelve. Did you start years, dancing in the I car? felt emotion from the music. And I <laughs> ate food that night, and food actually tasted good. It was what? crazy
0: do you remember what song it was
2: yeah
0: oh okay <laughs> i was hoping you were gonna say like backstreet boys or something and i'd be like yeah so It only
2: lasts so long i had two more done i don't know if it really helped and then uh, one of my pain management docs is like have you tried ketamine no but i'm willing to try it so going into balboa they do an hour-long ketamine infusion and they've given it to people that have uh, are suicidal with their depression and they come out of it and have a different outlook on life. Um, I had 20 of them done at Balboa before I got out and I think it helped. I'm not quite sure. And then uh, once I got out though, I found a pain management doc. He does three hour ketamine infusions, which are way more intense than what the military was given. Um, And, you know, I, I talked to my wife about this wondering, Did it really help? But I think I probably would have been in a worse place if I hadn't have gotten them. And I'm still getting them. It helps with sleep. I I definitely like the the nightmares and bad dreams aren't around when I'm doing that.
0: Yeah, I I have only tried it once and that was on a a Medivac flight and I just fell asleep from it and (laughs) that was it. I woke up and they were cutting all my clothes off and it was I was inside an air-conditioned hospital after, you know, living in a village where it was like 120 degrees every day. So I was freezing. And uh, I remember the first thing I said was like, hey, don't laugh. It's really cold in here. (laughs) They're cutting my shorts off. It's cold (laughs) shrinkage. Yeah. The sign's open, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. Like you were talking about the... That and what was the other one? The the magnetic. Um... Oh,
2: MERT. It's called MERT treatment. It's at the Brain Treatment Center. Uh, I was lucky; they stopped doing it for active duty, but oh, I was really? able to get in um, and had that treatment done. It's a RTMS, so you're you're gonna they're putting a magnet on you. The difference between the the MERT and the RTMS. RTMS is a protocol. They just blast it at you, whoever you are. You're all getting the same protocol. Well, MERT, they actually do an EEG and read your, scan your brain and see where you're at. And then they adjust the machine and they do that every week. So they'll, they'll do an EEG at the end of the week for the beginning of the week to adjust the machine and change it up. So the protocol changes as you're going through. And the goal is to get the front, middle and rear of your brain to all sync up with uh, the different brain waves. For instance, mine, my back of my brain, the brain waves you can look at the peak and it looks normal the middle of the brain is a little jacked up and the front of the brain was totally jacked up and that's due to the trauma and having the the they found that little spot on the right frontal lobe and all that and they were able to match them up after it's normally four weeks of treatment i ended up doing six because uh, they were still trying to get them all to match up they couldn't get them all to match up perfectly but they were way better than they were before
0: yeah. I know, you know, for me, I went and got all the screening done and all that for TBI, you know, because I've never had a single concussive event, but I've had tons of sub concussive events. Like guys don't even think about that. They only think about like, yeah, well, I was in a vehicle that got hit by an IED or something, but think about when you're doing CQC training and all the internal breaches and stuff that you're subjected to. I know we have like the the safe distances and stuff, but we had, A guy when i was at seventh group that he got to the point where every time uh an internal breach would go off he would throw up Mm. like he would just puke and and they were like what the hell so they went to the doc and they were like yeah you have you have tbi and and so for me like i went through and they were like well you know we can't say that you have you know without a a, without any kind of doubt uh because you've never had a single concussive event, but you have tons of subconcussive events. And he's like, we just don't have enough information on that. Um, which, you know, I, I guess for me, the, the thing I was thinking about was like the NFL with CTE. And I guess now since I had gone through there and, and gotten all that testing, there's been a lot more stuff released on that for, especially for service members, because, you know, there's tons of us that, you know, all the demo that we did and, and all that, I mean, you know, rocket day, we were out shooting Gustavs and Laws and AT4s (laughs) like that. That stuff rocks you pretty hard. That's why you're only allowed to shoot so many a day. Um, Or think about if you were an artilleryman, you know, um, that that's just something that a lot of people don't really think about at least getting it documented and saying like, Hey, you know, I was around lots of, sub-concussive events that that might affect you negatively and like you said it might not hit you right now but nobody knows what you're going to be like two or three years from
2: now that's a good point uh just when i was back at damn talking to a lot of guys that get go through NICO, a lot of the guys that are worse off and had the most problems with the breachers mm-hmm. guys that did breaching for most of their career and it was all sub uh concussive events but the cumulative effect of it, they they had multiple spots all over their brains of, of the little, you know, the little white dead spots.
0: Yeah. And I know I couldn't get an MRI done. Um, I had to go get a CT scan instead because, uh, like, I don't know if you had that same thing, but I still had frag in my body. and. And So they x-rayed my shoulder and everything and they're like, yeah, we still see it in there. So they they took this earth magnet and they're like, we're going to wave this over your shoulder. Let us know if you feel anything. And they put that thing right over my shoulder and it felt like it heated up. Oh, no! Wow. They, they were like, yeah, we can't give you an MRI because the magnet in there is way stronger.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a piece of frag in my left calf. The, the doctor said it may or may not eventually make its way out, but uh, I've had Probably a dozen MRIs since I've had that frag and never had any issues. So it must be the, the material must not react or something.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that too, it's, it's so close to my head, like which that's, that's yeah. the part that goes in there. So, Well, what are you doing nowadays to take care of yourself?
2: Still doing the ketamine infusions a couple times a month. Working the alpha stem. I just had shoulder surgery uh, back in October. So that's still recovering. So I haven't been able to work out. And that that was like my, my zen. Um, I was going to Gold's Gym before COVID hit. And then my wife said, if you go back to the gym, don't come home. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to buy a gym. And I made my own gym in my garage. Got everything ready to go. Got a rower, squat rack, bumper plates, you name it. I'm ready to go. And then I realized I went and so originally it was free fall stuff tore the labrum a little bit years ago well my I went out to see my, my son in Oregon and going out to the trampoline park with the kids is a bad idea when you're this old <laughs> your, your mind says oh I can still do that backflip your body says no you can't <laughs> so you might
0: be able to get the flip part down but uh, oh, yeah it's a uh... That's what I always tell people that are worried about skydiving. I'm like, bro, nobody has ever died jumping out of a plane. It's always on the landing. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) yeah, I, I feel you there. I, you know, I was in the hospital back in August. I had went and done Pilates for the first time and this is my lame, I'm getting old story. And, uh, the next day I had probably the worst back spasm. It was probably the worst pain I've ever had in my life. I had some really bad back spasms and it took me like an hour to crawl 50 feet from my couch to my back seat of my wife's car. And I, I know how that gets like not being able to work out, uh, cause of something like that is terrible. <laughs> so I've started doing a lot more walking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we have a dog in and- Taking him for a walk is, you know, kind of a highlight of the day with COVID. Yeah, working from home and all that.
0: Oh, I can, I can relate. Oh, so before when we were talking, you had a really good joke that uh, when you were talking about working with all the engineers and, and scientists. That,
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that,
0: that I wanted you to share. So, <laughs> so
2: when I was Southwest Research Institute project manager, I at one point I had. I like think 12 engineers working for me on this one project. And the joke is what's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert engineer. The introvert engineer looks at his shoes when he's talking to you. The extrovert engineer will look at your shoes when he's talking to you. That's an awesome <laughs> joke. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an engineer. So
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I plagiarized.
0: Well, uh, yeah, no, that. <laughs> oh, man.
1: She would have had that one for earlier today, but she was a civil engineer. That probably wouldn't, that, that doesn't it. necessarily translate, but yeah.
2: she'd appreciate it.
0: Well, what did what advice would you pass along to other uh, transitioning service members that are about to get out? And
2: I would say, so I started at 18 months. If you can start earlier, go, uh, I know on the West Coast, we had recovery care guys. I don't know if you have that on the East Coast go to them, just bring them in your medical record, let them skim through it. And then they're gonna dog ear things that you need to start working on. Don't save that for the last minute, start going and knocking those, those medical things out. Um, I went through the Honor Foundation, which helped quite a bit, um, just grasping the understanding of what a business is like in the civilian world. Um, also being able to do resume writing, interviews, and figuring out what you wanna do. That's the hardest part, right? We're so used to, okay, I, I know I'm an EOD guy. I'm gonna be around other like-minded individuals, blah, 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 blah. And then when you're, it's, kind of, it's scary getting out and moving away from that, that level of comfort into something brand new and people that will never understand what we went through. You go overseas, yeah, you had a different deployment, but we can still relate. These people you will never be able to relate with you. So you you gotta you know, understand that before you even start working. Yeah, and,
1: and I think that ties into the key that you were talking about earlier about we you know the need to stay in touch and, and us to keep that network going too. Because I think that's uh, where we uh, you know we find that commonality. We still have that brotherhood. And we still have that bond. And reaching out and and just just a simple phone call. I mean, I don't think that's the end all be all solution to the the 22 a day problem that we have going on. I think it's a lot deeper than that. And that's probably a discussion for a whole other podcast, but I think that's a step in the right direction. It's just, you know, keeping, keeping in touch with folks and, and uh, you know, keeping the lines of communication open.
2: I'll tell you what I was going and seeing uh, a psych for a little bit when I was at uh, the training unit and it was, Okay, until I got to a point where I felt it wasn't happening. I got passed off to another psych, not going to bring up any names, but they lied to me about their background and I was done. And so I just started uh, purposely going out and hanging around my tribe, finding people that I trusted that I could talk to that had some similar situations. Uh, One of the other, I'm not going to bring up names, but the other person, he had been through multiple. IED blasts. he had seen a lot of combat and i was able to hey have you gone to nyko yet no why not <laughs> and i you know helping him is helping me as well mm-hmm. doing this right here yeah i'm sharing my my experiences but it's helping me as well
1: yeah
0: and i i can relate i mean it's part of why we're doing the podcast you know i i came back from my um super arduous deployment to Destin and uh, I had four months to get out and it was the most stressful time of my life. Like I was, I had so much anxiety um, even though I knew what I was going to do when I got out and and all that, it was, it was really tough. And so, uh, you know, I always think back to, like you said, my journey kind of start with this whole thing started, um, you know, after Scotty Dayton, Uh, Scott being one of my best friends and a former teammate of me and Mike and you know Scott was Scott and I were the the bane of Mike's existence for a couple of years when we were new guys but you know we thought about that like that was the one thing that you, you know if you knew him well you knew like hey he was all about brotherhood and I thought that's 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 something that I kind of felt like it's, has kind of been lost over the years as we've transitioned into more of the peacetime type military. Um, And, and so for me, I get a ton of of personal satisfaction out of helping other people out, whether it's, you know, making an intro that gets them a job or, you know, sharing my perspective. And the first guy that I coached with uh, through the honor foundation, a couple cohorts ago, I just, me and him sat on Zoom for like an hour and a half the other night. And, uh, you know, he wants to go be a, uh, you know, go maybe work as like a mortgage broker. And so I was able to cool. introduce him to somebody like that. And he, he texted me. He's like, bro, I just got off the phone with him. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And and I, I love that. So I definitely can relate to that feeling. And and I hope that this this brings you that same feeling, knowing that, you know, hopefully you sharing some of that information and in your story will help somebody else.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: And I'm the nine month guinea pig. I mean, you find you, know we didn't catch yeah. up completely before we started this, but I'm nine months out. So I don't retire until October first. Oh. So I'm in the mix of this. I'm 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 I'm, I'm part uh, yeah, I'm I'm part of the science experiment. So, you know, I'm I'm learning this as we go along. So and I'm feeling some of the same anxieties that I think a lot of you guys were feeling too. But, uh, Trevor's helped me out as well. It's kind of funny, the reverse mentor, cause I was his first chief and now he's helping me out on the way out. So, you know, just that's, that's the thing. And the, the origin of this podcast was, well, us getting drunk at the West Virginia university football game and winning overtime, helped, you know, create <laughs> these ideas and me being in tap class that end of September and being pretty frustrated about, you know, the, the lack of depth or some of the topics that I thought should have been covered, especially in a retiree course. And I thought that we could, you know, leverage folks like you for some more in-depth information and broadcast that out. And if, you know, if it helps one person, that's, that's mission complete for us. I mean, we're not, obviously this is never going to make any money for us. We're, we're going to lose money on this for sure, but I really don't care. I'd rather pour all kinds of money into this, lose all kinds of money and be able to help tons of people out and or, or 10 people, I don't care, but just to be able to, you know, uh, just mentor, you know, give back and mentor folks and, and, and help guide them on the way and, you know, they're going to see my mistakes as we go along through this because I'm sure as hell I'll, I'll make some. I sh- I'm sure I will, especially I'm a little bit behind on my VA claim. I think, uh, I have done the recovery care thing. They did look at it, but I still need to get them my mental health and my, uh, paper record because my volume two, I still own that. So then I'm nine months out. So, uh, and there's other things that, you know, I got to do, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't start at 18 months like, like you did. And, um, my you know i think probably because of my position and where i'm at it's a little bit delayed in getting my relief there which is causing things to hang up a little bit but uh i I could have done better i think i could have postured myself a little better for for a proper exit but we'll we'll see
2: yeah i mean just keep working it if you have questions feel free to hit me up as well
1: absolutely yeah
0: chad a brother, we really appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing your story. Um, You know, I I picked up a a few things that I wrote down that I'm going to dig into a little more in depth and, and hopefully we'll create some content to share on the, on the uh, LinkedIn page as well.
2: Yeah. Appreciate you guys bringing me on here. Uh, Happy to help out any way I can.
1: Yeah. Next time we're going to do it over beers and we'll do a local for sure.
0: Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do a yeah, follow-up we'll Me and Mike fun. or, or yeah, we'll either that or me and Michael fly out to San Antonio. <laughs> Whoever's got the better drivers. So, <laughs> all right, Chad. Well, Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, Chad Monroe. Um, great dude. Um, known him for a few years and you know, his experience uh, I think is, is kind of unique. There's, there's not a whole lot of people, I think, that, that I've talked to that I've learned about some of that stuff from. Um, but I think it's always good to get new perspectives. So, Chad, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah,
1: Chad, thanks.
2: Appreciate it, guys.
1: Thank you for
0: listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at mike or trevor at gettovet.net that's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet